You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, PJ, along with Matt Shiles. Matt, hey, it's good to be in the studio with you today. Yeah, you uh, sounds like you have some extra energy today. It's good to be here. but I do have a little bit of extra energy. I did get good sleep last night, yeah. at least according to my watch. But it was a very interesting evening or a night of sleep because, you know, we still have all of these fans, these humidifiers that are going off. And I facetiously turned over to Joni. I'm like, do you want us to, you, you want me to turn my sound machine on? <laughs> so, because uh, even if I turn my sound machine on, you're not going to be able to hear the sound machine. So it was like, it's like its own night. sound yeah. machine. I have, it was, oh yeah. I've uh, lived through it. About so I 10 know. sound machines going off all at once. So, yeah. But they're out of there now. They're out. Today they God. were removed. Awesome. So now it's just putting everything back together. So did you know that we actually hit 50 episodes? We have. We've we've hit the half century mark. I forgot to mention it last episode. This is 51. 51. Yeah. All right. Wow. Time flies it's gonna keep when you're rolling. having fun. So we've almost been doing this a year. Yeah. We're almost so, there. Almost How about that? Here. Look at that. So this past weekend, August 12th and 13th, we started a new series, Iron Faith. You had alluded to this series back when you did your Iron Man, way yeah, back when. when. I was actually like probably even training yeah. for my Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. You had been thinking about that, and I remember you said, hey, you know, next year in the fall, we're going to do a series about this. So it's finally here. It, yeah. It, and, it's um, definitely here. And boy, did you start with a good one. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> well, you have to start. That way. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, we start with a good one. But it was so, like I hope people realize how important. Like this, you have to get this. Like yeah. this is the entry into a faith that goes the distance. And so that's why I spent quite a bit of time uh, really unpacking it. Because yes, if you don't get this, yeah. You're not going to get the – because, again, the way I really do construct series, for the most part, now I think the only one that you you could almost kind of individualize it is transitions. Mm -hmm. is uh, And then even the all things new. I mean, I I hit different elements. But this is really a building block type series. Yeah, so this one very much is a foundational week, and uh, and it's a sobering one. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a hard, challenging one. There is um, certainly a lot for us to uh, to talk about and get into. And as a reminder, we are in the the passage, the parable of the sower, Matthew thirteen, and we looked at verses thirteen through twenty three. And you had started with giving us really the aim of this series is that you wanted to help us construct a theology of endurance, yeah. so that we will have a faith that goes the distance. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the desire yeah. that I have in this series is so that people can really weigh whether or not they they have a faith that goes the distance. Because if you do have saving faith, and well, I'm sure we'll dive into that whole realm, but if you have saving faith, you will have a faith that goes the distance. Mm. If you do not have a saving faith, you have a faith, because everybody has a faith. Mm. But if it's not a saving faith, it won't go the distance. 
Yeah. And there – and I know I shared some research and I, I do believe that one of the elements to go first is the element of connection to the body of Christ. Mm. Again, I'm not saying that you have to go to church to be saved. That's not what I'm saying. Or you have to go to church to have saving faith. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that your connection to a gospel-centered church is a really good indicator, and your commitment mm. and endurance even with them is a good indicator that you do have saving faith. Mm. Because ultimately, Jesus, if he lives inside of you and he's the center, you are going to be connected to his bride. Mm. Now, again, I, I want people to realize that there are various kinds of models of church, and I think we've talked about that at some point on Extra Takes, but we even have a microchurch model. Yeah. So the Ponce Inlet Home Church, like so uh, about 25, 30, uh, 40 uh, people comprised of a church of, of what we are labeling a microchurch under 50, but they're getting together, they're observing the sacraments, they are uh, under the authority of uh, preaching and leadership, mm-hmm. uh, they are in small group together, yeah. there's this care element, yeah. uh, there's this commission element that yeah. they're trying to reach their own community there. So they are in a, a church, um, like when I say a, a community of believers. Yeah. Uh, there are some churches that might only run 100, 200, but again, it's a community of believers doing everything that I just laid out. Or it could be like Northland. You got a couple thousand. Yeah. And and so um, so it's not about like a, a certain kind of model of church. It's about being in community mm-hmm. with other brothers and sisters who love Jesus. And I want to actually be talking about that more in depth this coming weekend. But, okay. but yes, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. If you lose that connection to mm-hmm. a, a body, Body, um, aka a church, I do believe it's only a matter of time before, in some sense, you you either walk away from the faith or your faith isn't as pronounced. Yeah. Which then do do you have saving faith at that point? Yeah. If it if you can't tell a difference in your life. Mm. This is going to be a, a good week. We have a lot to get to. Yeah. Um, so let's look at our main point. Um, you said it two different ways. The ability to endure begins with what you hear with your ears, understand with your mind, and receive with your heart. And then you said the endurance of your faith is tied to the diamond of your life, your ears, your mind, and your heart. And you had this goofy-looking clip art picture. <laughs> Did you do that all yourself? I did it all myself, which I was trying to find more of a diamond that I could actually overlay, uh-huh. and I couldn't find like uh, like what I was looking for. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'll just use I'll use lines, and I'll try to yeah. I, but I think people's imagination kind of helped, hopefully. Yeah. So so fun fact: it's not a diamond; it's a rhombus, and that's a hill to die on with my wife. Well, I, listen. Sure. So she she'll she'll relabel the kids' little little games that say diamond. She'll put rhombus over it because it's not a diamond. Yeah. But like, is a diamond diamond a diamond? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't know. Is a diamond diamond like so? I don't like, know that much like, about it. Well, if you see like it, yeah. I mean, it's hard because uh, this yeah. is an audio <laughs> podcast and not a visual one, so I can't show you what I'm talking about, but. Like, cause, cause when you, if I drew, see, I was going to draw. Okay. Like, if you just 
If you Google an image of a diamond, it's going to it's going to be kind of almost a little bit more rounded up top, and then it's going right. to be pointed. Yeah. And if you truly drew a diamond, that is what it what I'm trying to show because it's your mind, yeah, yeah, your your mind and your ears, it's not it's not kind of more of that pyramid shape. It's yeah. more of that that rounded out type thing. But then from your ears to your heart. It is more of that V-shaped thing, and that's the diamond. So, so I, I probably should have drew it. Uh, I didn't. I chose to go the route I did, and it, you know, but it did its job. I yeah. just laughed. I, I knew it was coming. And Kaylee leans over. She goes, "Rhombus." <laughs> so she just couldn't. Let yeah. It go. Well, I had another person, you know, say, hey, "I got just just a little squibble about one little thing." And I'm like, "Okay, what is it?" And he, he told me, "I won't mention it on here because I don't want to embarrass anybody." But I'm like. I received that. So I'm like, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but it just came up. That's what happens in extra takes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was actually that di- that diagram was, was helpful um, because as you went through the four sorrels, um, it showed, you know, essentially illustrated why each of the sorrels was not the good sorrel because yeah. one of those aspects of the diamond um, was not able to flourish, wasn't, wasn't present. So yeah, had no, no fruit. Yes. Um, so the outline, we, we talked about a few things. We started by talking about terms. Um, we'll get into those three terms that we need to start with. We looked at the four soils. Um, and then we ended with these 10 questions yeah. um, that will help us assess where our heart is. Um, so let's start with those terms. Um, we had the seed, the sower, and the soil. Can you remind us what those each of those terms mean? Yeah. Um, before I kind of remind everyone of what those terms are, what is fascinating about the parable of, of the sower is it actually is found in all three synoptic gospels. So just so that you know, that, that word synoptic might be new for you all, but there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels, where John is kind of off by himself. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and yeah, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're actually going to do some of the same parables, uh, but but mm-hmm. kind of maybe a little bit different here or there. Uh, some of them have parables that aren't in the others, and mm-hmm. so. But uh, the Synoptic Gospels they're they're very similar to to a degree, even though that they were written um, by different authors and even different audiences. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to kind of read what Mark writes about Great. the parable of the sower. Um, he he writes. Um, that that Jesus again taught many things in the parable and Jesus when he's explaining the parable to the disciples he says don't you understand this parable how then will you understand any parable mm. so what many scholars will will say particularly about Jesus saying that like if you don't understand this parable how are you going to like this is the parable par excellence hmm. this is the parable above all parables like if you can't get this one then you're not going to understand any others. And so it's, it's a fascinating 
point that scholars make, particularly around the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils, is that, all right, you need to understand this one. Now, just the, and I didn't go over this this past weekend, uh, but the idea of a parable mm-hmm. means to uh, cast alongside of or, 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 or to come alongside of. Mm-hmm. And so these are fictitious stories with a heavenly meaning. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of like metaphors or similes and stuff like that. And so that's where Jesus is going to teach a deep heavenly truth, but he's going to use this kind of fictitious story, this mm-hmm. this parable, this the a story that cast alongside to help you understand mm-hmm. the deeper meaning of heavenly things. Mm-hmm. So so with that, and that's why when you look at these terms, yeah. you have the message of you know kind of the, the kingdom and the message of uh, you know uh, of the kingdom is what I would refer to as the gospel message, and it really is the rule and reign of God has come to planet Earth through the person of Jesus, and in his death and his life, death, and resurrection, he has purchased redemption for fallen humanity, mm. and he has paved the pathway to make all things new. Mm. So, so therein lies the good news that the rule and reign of God has come to planet Earth. And again, mm. the rule and reign of God is something that God has always desired to have yeah. on Earth. Yeah. That's why when he creates Adam and Eve, he's going to create them in his image, put them here, here on Earth so that they might represent his rule and reign. So they're the vice regents or the prince and the princess. I've talked about that before. Well, because they sinned and disobeyed and, and went astray, now the better Adam, Jesus, the better Israel, Jesus, has come to bring the rule and reign of God on planet Earth. Mm. And so he is the good news. Mm. He is the king come to make all things new. So that is the message of the kingdom. That's the seed that is sown Everywhere, mm. and I, you know, and that's why, as a church, um, you know, today we are the messenger of the kingdom. Now, in this particular parable, we we see really Jesus as kind of this this sower. But anybody who proclaims the good news that the rule and reign of God has come in the person of Jesus through His life, death, and resurrection, they are the sower. They're the messenger of the kingdom, and I want us to realize that. We ought to be casting seed everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we ought to be. Well, I don't think they deserve it. No, no, no. What we see here, everybody. Yeah. God wants everybody to hear. Yeah. So that that's something that we need to really take to heart. Yeah. Is that everybody, regardless of who they are, uh, their background, their skin color, their ethnicity, their socioeconomic status. I mean, regardless, everybody. Uh, God wants everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Right. So, so that's where the the sower, the messenger, and then you have the receiver, uh, the receiver of the message. So, as the sower sows and the seed falls, you have these soils. You have the ground. And are you receptive? Or are there other things in your life, in your environment, mm-hmm. that would actually choke you from receiving the message mm. of the kingdom? Mm. So those are the terms. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point about the uh, sowing indiscriminately, right? This is um, – we, we don't just sow to people that we think will receive it. We don't just sow to people that we think deserve it. That's not our role. Um, and our role is not to uh, not to be the seed, <laughs> and not to be the message. It is to spread the message, and um, and our job is not to be the soil, 
right? Um, we will get into that. We all have soil in our own life, but our job is not to control the soil of others, but to spread the message. Now, and I will say, and and I, and I didn't didn't make this clear because I. I, you know, and as I walked away, I'm like, you know, I want people to know. As I was praying for people, uh, listen, you you can move soils. Like so, when people are, you know, when I had people come up, hey, will you pray, for, you know, for my son? Will you pray for my dad? Yeah, and they're just hardened. So here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for a softening. Yeah, I'm praying that there would be some cultivating that happens to make to to ripen them. To receive, yeah. right? So it's not like you're born – like here's what I would all say. I would say we're all born hardened because we're born sinners. Mm. So what we're praying for is the receptivity so that God would soften the heart. Um, so, so I want to, I want people to – yeah, that, that, that you're not – it's not a doom and gloom where, man, I'm, I, I'm a – I'm one of those soils that – are, are rocky or thorny. Okay, yeah. you don't have to stay there. Yeah, that's a helpful clarification because you had even said this soil is impenetrable, right? Um, this soil is is in a place where they wouldn't come to church. Well, that doesn't mean the soil won't change. That just means that in the state it is, that first soil that we will talk about, the hardened path, it is impenetrable. Yeah. Unless it changes, yeah. unless the soil changes and God does a work Absolutely. in their life and the, the soil becomes good. Um, so that's a that's a good clarification. So um, I just want to bring up the four soils in general. Well, let, let me say this real quick that yeah. it just – it really did dawn on me as you're saying that um, and why this series will be, I think, really important for believers. Okay. Is that if we embody a faith that goes the distance mm. – then we become the cultivators or the tillers of the ground of those who are hard-hearted, rocky, or thorny. Hmm. Like Because they're going to see – because if you see why some of the people deconstructed their faith, it was all about their experience, right? So, But what if they had an adverse experience? What, what if they had an opposite experience? Yeah. Well, then that opposite experience becomes the – when I say the, the cultivators of the ground yeah. to soften, to break up the thorn, to break up the rockiness and to you know make their hearts more mm. receptive to mm. hearing the gospel. So just know that yeah. a, 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 an enduring faith can act as a cultivator for the receptivity of of someone else to receive hmm. the message of salvation, the message of Jesus. That's great. And that happens individually and also institutionally. Um, so, yeah, we, we get the opportunity to sow the seed, but we also get the opportunity to um, affect soil, although it is ultimately not our doing. It is the Spirit's um, to do, but through our life and through the way God has uniquely wired us and designed us and, and called us into the work, yeah, we have we get the privilege, um, either um, whether we know it or not, to affect yeah. affect change within other soil. Absolutely, what a I privilege, mean, man! Well, and if you think about it, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm. What what is needed to cultivate the ground? Hands, hands and, feet. and feet. Yeah. So, 
There's a lot of imagery I could go there. That's good. That's good. So the four soils, um, you said three of them aren't saved and one of them is. Yeah. And what's what's fascinating as I was reading one one author, you know, he just made the point that three of them aren't and there's one that is, but there's three different when I say kind of capacities that this soil has. So it's one soil, but that soil can produce 160 or 30. So so there's three kind of fat, you know, kind of facets to the good soil where there's in some sense three facets or three bad soils. Mm. So mm. it was a fascinating kind of core, you know, kind of comparison. Mm-hmm. You have three and three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about that? I mean, this th- this is where the, the sobering reality comes in um, and specifically about I'm thinking about the second one. Um, where you labeled it as the weak minds. So this is the rocky and shallow soil. They receive it with joy, but it's an emotional decision. So um, it brings up the question. We had a, uh, we had a listener question from uh, Luke and his, uh, his budding microchurch that might be developing down in West Palm. There was a question from that group that talked about uh, the idea of losing your faith. Are you able to lose your faith? Is is that what you implied? And can someone actually lose their faith? Well, the the short answer is yes. Someone can, you could say, lose their faith in what they thought they had faith in. Mm. Uh, because when you look at the faith framework that I've showed many times, and I did it this past weekend, is there's five elements of faith. And this, again, these five elements are found in any faith out there. Mm. So it's worldview, how you view the world, your mission, what you think is the purpose of your life. Mm-hmm. There's the center of your faith where everything revolves around it. Mm-hmm. Then there's the ethics and then there's the practices of your faith. And so when you see people lose their faith, okay, so they're losing what they thought they had. Mm-hmm. So it's so so losing your faith is not the same thing as losing your salvation. Okay. So two different things, because what they lost was never saving to begin with. Because whatever whatever their focus was on or whatever they thought their faith was centered around was not lasting. Hmm. See, when your faith is centered, and this is the whole point of the parable of the sower, is that when your faith is centered around the lordship and the saving power and the generosity and the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, mm. that is a faith truly that goes the distance. And so that's why those questions are so important because it's really maintaining, you know, when you come to Jesus, you have a soft heart. Mm. And what he does over time is, is he softens it even more. Mm. Why? Because what he's ultimately doing in your life is conforming and shaping and molding you more like him. Hmm. You see, the hardened path, you can't even grab a clump of dirt and change it. Yeah. You know, with the path that fell on the shallow soil, uh, you know, what, what many scholars, you know, were talking about in terms of what the, what, what Jesus was getting at there is that there's kind of a, like a, a little small shallow layer of dirt and then right underneath that is limestone. So it could never penetrate. So again, you're not taking it and you're not even able to mold it. Thorns, you, you know, is going to choke. But when you look at good soil, 
Like and 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 what it like you can actually mold you mold it and shape it you, yeah. you know you can kind of clump it together like it's it, it's really soft it's not brittly mm. it's not hard mm. and so what Jesus really wants to do and this goes back to Jeremiah this idea of uh, you know God being the potter we being the clay you know but this fertile soil is moldable shapeable and what 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 Jesus wants to do is to shape us more into His image so that's why like. What I can see even in my own life, I mean, I'm growing in even the softening of my heart Ah. in so many different ways. Mm. And so – and that's – you know, again, that is reticent, uh, reflective of – and a saving faith, a faith that goes the distance. Mm. So when someone, quote unquote, and that's why I, I try to point out with why all these people, of the 1,200 people, they deconstructed their faith. Why did they lose? They never lost their faith because Jesus. Right. It was all because of their experience. Right. And so so when you're looking, so who was the center? I, I'm sure they had a lot of different centers, but they, their center was never Jesus. Yeah. Now, some people, here's what I would say. In terms of the deconstruction, sure, there are some people that deconstruct a, a faith that maybe they grew up in that wasn't centered around Jesus, and so maybe they have them to deconstruct it, and maybe they do reconstruct it with Jesus as the center. Hmm. But when you look at that laundry list of the reasons why they deconstructed their faith, Jesus wasn't on there. It was their experience or how they witnessed or saw somebody do this yeah. or all of these other reasons other than Jesus. Hmm. Um so that you know, so year, a couple years ago, I wrote an article, and you can find this on my website: "Leaving the Faith by Losing the Focus." Hmm. And uh, this was actually a article that I wrote when we were seeing all of these big name people like Joshua Harris and others fall away from the faith. And actually, we'll be in Hebrews this coming week, but the book of Hebrews is actually written to Christians who are going through a lot of trials, difficulty, pain, hardship, and the author is exhorting them not to give up, to have a faith that endures. Mm. Now, so so the author of Hebrews in chapter 11 says this, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen and by it, our ancestors won, won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from the things that are not visible. And, and so, once again, if you are just trying to find out, you know, or you're building your faith on only what you can see. And again, that laundry list is only things that they can see. Yeah. And not what is not seen. Mm. Okay, then, then you might be building a actually a, a faulty faith, um, and and I even said this is that faith is not about fixating your mind on the feelings of the moment, but on directing your heart towards the promised future. Mm. Because again, what Jesus did with his death and resurrection, and this is what Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, is saying, is that we're we're projecting out what Jesus has accomplished mm. through his death and resurrection mm. that our future hope is as sure as Jesus's resurrection. Mm. So that's all why we're not going to fixate our you know fixate our our mind on the feelings in the moment. Mm. And again, that's what the shallow soil did. I'm going to fixate yeah. my my feeling or my fixate my mind on what I'm feeling in the moment. And as a result, if you do that, you're fixating your mind on the wrong thing. Mm. 
He's kind of like Peter. You know, he kind of shows us when he started to take his mind off. He's walking on water. He's like, call me out, Jesus. Call me out. Yeah. I got faith. And he shows that he does have faith. But when he began to take his eyes off of Jesus because of the winds and the waves yeah. and what they potentially could do in his life, he began to sink. But what we see with this soil is that that's where that's where their mind has always been. Hmm. It's really been more on the feeling of what I feel, not the fact of what G, who Jesus is and what he's done. Yeah. So. Okay, so there's that distinction between faith and, and saving faith. Um, so you would say that you can lose your faith, but you'd make the claim that the, the ultimate focus of the faith was not Jesus. So I think what they were getting at was salvation. So, so just to clarify, can you lose your salvation? You cannot lose your salvation. Okay. Nope. So now, that here, gets here, into let me, the let idea see, of, you know, of backsliding. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, the backslide, yeah. But he, here's the thing. If your salvation is centered around you, you will lose it because you can't save yourself. You might have a really good season of being moral, spiritual, religious, where you feel like you're saved. But at the end, the center is what you do. And that that's a big that's a big distinction. But if your if your faith is centered around who Jesus is and what He done, yeah. His finished work, it's secure. And so you don't have to work. You don't have to feel like you're working your way into salvation. Yeah. So therefore, you cannot lose what was never yours to begin with. Yeah. See, see, salvation is something Jesus purchased for us, and through our confession. Again, this is what Paul says in Romans, is if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, we shall be saved. Basically, what he's saying, again, here's what Paul's saying. If you truly believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be and he did what he did, then, again, what he's purchased for you is his that he's purchased for you that he gives you because of your faith in him. Mm. So if your faith ever is found founded upon what you do for him, yeah. you will lose your salvation in that regard. And you will, in essence, lose your faith. Yeah. But if you're, if you're fixated and focused and have embraced Jesus, again, the seed of the kingdom— uh, then you will not lose your salvation because it is secure in Jesus, not you. Yeah. But but again, here's what happens though. So when you profess Him as Lord, as Savior, He deposits His Spirit within you, and that goes back to the backsliddenness. Is that yes? Can you go through a season, you know, of some dry, of really some dryness mm-hmm. of some distancing that you've put yourself between God. God, see, here's the thing. We, I hope people realize is that God, just because you live a, a Christ-centered life, doesn't mean that Christ draws closer to you. Jesus is as close to you today as he will ever be. It's you who move, who moves. So you can move deeper into the gospel or you can move further away from the gospel. And so what what I want people, you know, so this is where James says draw close to God. Like you, like God's here. Yeah. So are you going to draw close to him? 
You're going to go deep in him. But here's the thing about back those who are backslidden that I would say would be good soil is, okay, sure, maybe you go through a season of your life. Like when I was a teenager, I, re- like I, was, I, I believe with all of my heart, I knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I went through about a three, four-month season where I was just rebellious. Mm-hmm. But God did, I'm telling you, he did a, a magnificent, messy, beautiful work in my life to bring me to conviction and say, that is not the way mm. a, a child of God lives. Mm. And so I repented. I mean, But it was three, four months of just like full-on out rebellion mm. against my parents, uh, not caring what they said, you know, not trying to honor them. And that was – so I understand that there are people like – and I use King David as an example. He, he, he had a whole year where you, you talk about somebody who was a – who was – deemed or termed a man after God's own heart that had did what he did with Bathsheba and then Uriah. Yeah. I mean, you think he's really like having great devotional times? Right. <laughs> really think he's having a really good time at the temple? Mm-mm. But about a year later, you know, and so there's this huge conviction which again created me a clean heart. I love the song, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away mm. from your presence, O Lord. I mean, so I, I like, I love that. So he, 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 he came back. Mm. Uh, Peter, after he denied Jesus, came back. Mm. He went out and wept bitterly. Mm-hmm. So that's where, so this, if the Spirit of God does live inside of you, mm. because you do have saving faith that is fixated and centered and anchored in Jesus, mm. the Spirit of God's not going to let you live a, a long time outside mm. uh, in a distant manner from the Lord. Like he's gonna he's gonna draw you back. Mm-hmm. So so that's the idea of of the backsliddenness. So you know so if you have somebody who let's say grew up in the church and then when they left you know, when they graduated from high school they left and now they're forty fifty years old and they you know I, again I, I don't judge the heart but I do have a lot of red flags. That okay, sure. Maybe they went to church when they were fifteen. They prayed a prayer. They were baptized. But for the last thirty-five years, they haven't been living for Jesus. They don't care about Jesus. Like, I, I don't know if we can sit there and say they're they're backslidden. Hmm. Yeah, and this is that's the sobering piece of this message. Um, I guess in any culture, but certainly in um, in our culture where it has been. You know, predominantly Christian, and um, you know, certainly thirty, forty years ago, and it was a lot more common to be raised in the church. Um, so yeah, so so that audience, um, that's the that's the scary, sobering part is uh, is knowing that um, that there are some in the congregation um, that would not fall into that good soil, although. Maybe they think they are. And, and that really gets to this next question about fruit, um, fruit and faith. So before we go on there, did you have yeah, so something else to add? Like Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about the signs of the end time, he yeah. says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
Yeah. There and and you can go to a couple of different other places in the scripture and there is this focus on the one who endures to the end. Mm-hmm. The one who perseveres. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the author of Hebrews is going to talk about about that is that those who endure to the end those are the ones who have saving faith. Mm-hmm. And here's where I'm saying that if you want to know that you have saving faith, anchor your life, center your life, revolve around your life, everything in your life orbits around Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, and when you do that, that's saving faith. Now, again, I, I'm not saying that you have to do that perfectly. But what I am saying is that your heart you know, your heart has this desire. It beats for Jesus. That that's what I am trying to say mm-hmm. um, about that. But there is this focus on the endurance to the end, mm. which is why I'm again I'm doing the series Iron Faith, a faith that goes the distance. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about the the fruit in the faith and how those interact. So um, you said the practices aren't the fruit of the faith. The fruit of your faith, and you you laid this out um, pretty simplistically, and I want you to talk a little bit more about it. The fruit of your faith is to look more like Jesus. Isn't it more than that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I mean – You make it sound so well, it makes it, easy. It, it may, I, I do make it sound so easy. Um, but to, to your point, I, I think what helped illustrate it was when you said – well, some people will say, "I, you know, you, you can't measure that. Your boss can measure it. Your spouse can measure it. Those are really good examples, right? Because your spouse is going to be able to say, yeah, yeah. you're getting closer. And, and we did Jesus. that in our perspectives class I talked about. Oh, is that? Yeah, that was okay. it. It wasn't, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't? In any of the messages. So those are, those are blended together those, for me. <laughs> those are blended together. So, yes. Yeah, so for those of you who are listening to Extra Takes and you were part of the message, you didn't hear that part. Because I was teaching perspectives yeah. and the mission of God this past Sunday from 3 to 6. And I used it as an example is that when I have taught this before, I've had somebody – I have some people kind of stand up and go, well, that's not measurable to be like Jesus. Yeah. And But here's what we've done in the church over the last several decades. We've, we've turned the quantity of measurement – and we've made the quantity of measurement the 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 you know end all be all of measuring the Christian faith. And what I mean by the quantity of measurement, well, I go to church all the time. I read my Bible five days a week. I go to a Bible study. I'm part of BSF. I'm part of a men's group. I give my money. Like I mean, so okay, those are really good things that you do. Pray, praise the Lord. But again, this is where I go back to: is the Pharisees did that and even some. Uh, it, it more, I mean, like the the Pharisees had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. What five books of the Bible do you got memorized? Okay, uh, they got they gave a lot of money to the poor. Uh, they were looked at as varsity religious. I mean, like, I mean, they were the staff of the quote unquote temple. All right, so wow. I mean, but yet they weren't saved. Um. So what we have to start measuring, and this is where it becomes – I don't want to say it be, it's not subjective, but you've got to start measuring the quality of your life. Yeah. You, you see, when Jesus told the parable of the good Samaritan, it was the Samaritan that put the Jews to shame. 
See, see, God was a merciful and generous and gracious God who loved Samaritans and Gentiles, but but many of the Jews, particularly the religious leaders, because we saw the priest, you know, Levite, they they passed this 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 Jew who was wounded on the side of the road. They just left him for dead. But no, the Samaritan shows them up and shows them what it's what it's like to show mercy. Mm. And see, and that's a, that, again, that would be a quality. Do you show mercy? Mm. And are you growing in showing mercy? Mm. Okay, do, do you give out of the generosity of your heart because you want to emulate Jesus well? And are you growing in that generosity? Mm. Are you becoming less angry, uh, a less angry person because Jesus is working on you and you want to show love, not anger. Mm. You you want to, instead of being destructive with your words, you actually want to be kind with your words. Like, and that kindness is flowing from the embodiment of Jesus. Again, mm. and, and here's what, yeah, and, and here's who's going to know it, the people who are around you the most. Yeah. So your it's... wife's going to be able to say, be able to tell you, yeah, you are becoming more like Jesus. What what happened to my husband? Sometimes better than yourself. Oh, yeah. The ones closest to you sometimes can point things out. Change in your life. Small change that feels really hard for you to even see or feel. Yeah. They can po- point that out, and you can do that in others. Yeah. Now, with becoming more like Jesus, again, that's the fruit. Yes, you are going to have to know the Bible. <laughs> you know, you are going to have to pray and yeah. ask ask the Lord, Spirit, will you will you fill me? Because yeah. I want to, I want to. I'm telling you, I want to talk like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to see like Jesus. I want to give like Jesus. And I'm struggling here, so I yeah. need you. I need you. I need you. Like so, yes, you, you you do need to pray. You do need to read the Bible. You do, and we'll talk about it this week. You do need to sit under gospel centered teaching. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because these are things that, yes, these are practices that help the center of your faith. Mm. Now, again, that's why the center is so important because a a Pharisee, a religious person, they are practicing the same way, but the center is themselves because they're trying to work for their salvation. So they are killing themselves for the from the practical or the practice or the exercise standpoint so that they can feel like they're doing enough to be saved. But we are implementing these practices and exercises so that we can be more like Jesus. Mm. So all of these exercises that we do are meant to help us mm. exercise and shape us and mold us more into the image of Jesus mm. so that ethically, morally, we might look like Jesus, right? So um, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's helpful to to consider. You know, we've gone back to this a couple of times, but the diagram of, of faith and who's at the center um, and it. And it's clear. I we're picking on the Pharisees here, but it's a it's a clear example. It's, yeah, it's that, a clear example. that Jesus was not at the center, and that's that's really the differentiator. Because in many cases, there's commonalities on the outside of the other four, but the center is really the uh, the distinguishing factor. I'm going to read from Second Peter because I don't. I, I I'm I'm sure I will mention Second Peter at some point in this series. But Second Peter, here's what he's writing. He's, he's saying, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, mm. and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. There's your, there's your perseverance, your endurance. 
and to your perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Mm. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So you are growing in all of these things so that you might grow in your image and likeness of Jesus. And he goes on to say this, but whoever does not have these things is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Okay, so so here's the thing. And here's what Peter is saying. Yes, you can go through a season of your life, and if you are not growing, if you are not actively growing mm-hmm. in your faith, you you are going to get to a point where you you might you might begin to question your salvation, right? Uh, because you, you, there's there's no effectiveness, there's no productivity in your life, mm. right? And so that's why the the idea of increasing and I would say strengthening your faith through the practices mm. is is still a very very vital part of the Christian faith. But those practices mm. are going into you becoming more like Jesus to image him more. So so just want to see, you know because if you're not exercising then you're you're going to become stagnant. Yeah. And you're going to even forget what Jesus saved you to do. Mm. So, any anyways. And that was 2 Peter 1 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 9. Great. Um so at this point, let's get to the the 10 questions. Um I have a a couple thoughts on that and then you can add anything else. Um as you do. So t- 10 questions to help you assess where your heart is. Um, one of the questions, question four, was, is Jesus part of your life or a part of your life or the whole of your life? And the question, again, from Luke and his West Palm group was, how can you have Jesus as part of your life as a Christian? Doesn't he become the whole part of your life? So what would you say to that? All right, ask me that one one more time. So how can you have Jesus as part of your life? Because they're saying as a believer, as a Christian, doesn't he become all of your life? Well, he's supposed to. (laughs) Yeah, so this is where I would say in a a good portion of the 20th 20th century and even up to to now to to a degree – is well, I, I go to I go to church on on Sunday, yeah, and then I, I I you know I go and I go to work and do all my things you, you know Monday through Saturday, and then I you know it's kind of like yeah Jesus is part of my life. Like I mean I sometimes read my Bible, I, yeah. I, I go to church, I do all of those things, but I'm not waking up every day going, hey, how can I honor you, Jesus, as I as I go to serve pro and work. As I go and teach in a public school, uh, as I'm a mom, how can I how how can I embody you better? How can I how can I parent more like you uh, would would parent? Uh, how show me who I can I can minister to or I can serve? Um, you, you know, I, I'm telling you, I'm trying to give so many different examples as where yeah. he has all of your life. So. Uh, Going back to the Genesis, ha, 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 ha. So uh, going back to Genesis, one of the ways uh, are the, the ways that we fulfill the 
the the mission for us to image God in the world is in our relationships, in our in our creation, or our vocation, our career, and in our operation, how we steward every area of our life. So when when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's rebellion and disobedience, sin fractured our ability to relate like God, create like God, and operate under God's lordship. Yeah. yeah. So now when when someone comes to faith in Jesus, now they're bringing how they relate under the authority of Jesus. So I would say every day we wake up, we have relationships. So if you're married, you got a relationship with your spouse. If you got kids, you got a relationship with your kids, vice versa, right? If you go to if you go to a job, you got relationships with your coworker, your boss. If you are the boss, you got relationships with your coworkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you look at your time, your talents, and your treasure, uh, your materials, your resources, or recreation, when you look at all of that, that's operation. Mm. So what what the whole of your life is, and this is what Paul writes, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it. All in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What Paul says is whatever you do, in the words that come out of your mouth and in the deeds that emanate from your life in every realm of life, you're going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And so – and that – and again, I I don't want to sit here and – in general, again, I'm making a general statement. That just that's just that hasn't been taught, in, you, you know, uh, across the board over the last, you know, fifty hundred years. Yeah. It's like Jesus was. You know, I, I give him Sunday, yeah. give him a few moments, but I'm talking about bringing all of your life, yeah. and and again, your entire life orbits just as planet Earth, yeah. Mercury, Venus, yeah. Mars, Neptune, Jupiter. Pluto is no longer a planet. Saturn. Uranus, Saturn, like as they revolve around the sun, our lives revolve around Jesus. Amen. Well said. And what was so interesting was the follow-up question to that. You actually already answered, which was, um, you know, how does Jesus as as a whole of your life realistically play out to the average believer whose vocation is not tied to the church? Or mission organization, and you just answer that. And what's so fascinating is that's a logical next question because we're not used to hearing answers that you just gave. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you even more of an example. So keep going. I called a uh, a pool company. Okay. A couple of you know uh, a couple of weeks ago. Can you give us the name? No, I'm kidding. No, I can't. <laughs> I was just yeah, I was calling the pool company because my my pool was green and i you know i had a, had another pool company that came out and there was miscommunication with that pool company so we're we're all good there okay. but i was calling you know because i'm like cuz this was during the miscommunication i'm like i guess i'm going to have to find me another pool company yeah. so i called this pool company i'm like i'm i'm with this other you know company but they came out my pool's still green you know will you know i i would love to talk to you all uh, about coming out here and and helping me out and this person on the other end of the line, I'm like, well, we, uh, oh, we're three weeks booked. We can't be out there until, you know, September, da, 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 da. I'm, you know, and, ne- and I'm like, oh, okay. Now, here's the thing I would say. Like, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that that person's not a believer. But here's what I would say. If you are a believer working for a pool company and there's someone that calls you up and they're distressed that their pool is green, I am so sorry. Um, and then you start to, enter into this idea of 
I really wish we could send someone out. Because now you're going to either sympathize or hopefully even empathize. Man, I know that. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Yeah. I really wish there was something that we could do, but but it was it was it was very hard. Yeah. And again, I'm not sitting here like, sure. but I'm just saying as a believer, this is one way. Yeah, it should it, be evident. It, it sh- yeah, yeah, that that you have handled yourself differently than the world. Now, some people do have great customer service, but here's what I would say: if you are a believer, you should always have go- good customer service. And if you don't, and here's the thing: if you don't, then you ought to you ought to allow the Spirit of God. To bring a check in your life, hey, I was really short with that person. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I need to repent of that. Yeah, and so again, that that's just what again, that's just a, a a small little example how someone answering the phone for a pull company, how a believer could have responded versus sure. someone just being unsympathetic, just like matter of fact and hanging up. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, in in that example, you can easily see where the people closest to them in their life, if if a change happened in their life, it would be evident. Yeah. It would be evident to the spouse, to the kids, to the coworkers, like they would see that change. Yeah. Um, so that great example, but but yeah, that the way you you talked about, you know, whatever your vocation is is like you said hasn't been talked about. And we'll continue to talk about it's so important um, because, yeah, so often it's – yeah, but – yeah, yeah, that that's great what you're able to do to, at a mission agency, mission organization, or a church. But, like, what about the rest of us, right? Yeah. Um, and we will continue to share yeah. examples that can – that can, when it's like I was telling, there was a teenager in perspectives, yeah, and I was uh, talking to him in front of everybody because we were talking about vocation, yeah. But I said recreation, like you play soccer, and yeah. I want you to know that there is a distinctive way that you play soccer as a believer, and that doesn't mean that you you cannot kick butt and take names. Like Paul talks about how he, you know, he run he runs to win. Like and, and so yeah, he's talking about his faith, but I could see him being very competitive. Yeah. And so I I don't think there's anything wrong with being competitive, but there is a way to be redemptively yeah. competitive. You know, so I'm not gonna cheat yeah. uh, to get ahead. I'm not going to intentionally hurt someone to yeah. get ahead. If someone does fall, like even Proverbs talks about this, is that if your enemy falls or stumbles, you shouldn't mock them. Because if you do mock them, uh God is actually gonna help them. And so and that's actually in Proverbs twenty four. And and so there's a way to be competitive, there's a way to still excel in recreation, business, sports, and still distinctively be Christian. Yeah. And it's and it's more than just writing John 316 under your eyeliner. It's um it can be as simple or as hard as just not cussing when the culture of that team yeah. always cusses. Or, or right? mouthing or yeah. uh like and I've I've told Joni this, particularly when it comes to recreational football for kids. Uh-huh. I have seen, I've witnessed so many times where the opposing team cheers when a kid makes a mistake. Like, for instance, goes off sides. Yeah. Okay, so he made a mistake. And, and sure, maybe it was a hard count, but we're like, we're cheering for his mistake. 
I don't think believers should do that. Mm. And I know if you want to take it up with me, you can. But here's another one. Uh, a missed field goal. Right. Like, again, right. Uh, not a blocked field goal because that's a different thing. Yeah, cheer for that because mm. that was someone who blocked it. Mm. But, I mean, I'm talking about now, again, this, I'm not talking about NFL, but I, I, here's the other thing I would say is NFL kickers lose their job when they miss field goals. Yeah. So are we really going to sit here and cheer for a 16-year-old? missing a field goal or missing an extra point. Now, again, I, it might even be to win. It might even be to like win the game and they miss it and you cheer. Yeah. And you're, but you have to, as a believer, I think you ought to be very careful of how that cheering comes across mm. because our, our kids, uh, they already you know, are at a deficit today in terms of their emotional well-being and yeah. health. Yeah. And so I just think believers ought to be very sensitive to that. Even, even teenage believers who are out on the field, I don't, I don't think they ought to clap. Mm. Because what if it was them? Mm. What mm. if they are the ones that made the mistake? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want somebody to be clapping that you made the mistake? Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I know that some people might go, well, that, you know, I'm telling you, I, I'm, this is where we have to start thinking deeply about what we do. As believers, not and, and, and not just taking our cue from what the world does. Yeah, now you're messing with our sports culture. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, it, it, like I said, every sphere of life. I thought you just meant like yeah. work and politics, but not sports. I didn't know you Recreation, meant operate, you know, how, we steward. So that's a time talent. So if he's giving us some talents to yeah. play, play uh, pickleball, play football, yeah. play golf – like, so that's a talent that he's given us. How are we stewarding that for him? And again, are we? You have to understand is that when you're playing a sport, you are yes there to represent God well for His glory. And guess what? Others good. So, so here's the other thing about your teammates. Like we, we try to really instill this in our kids is that you have a teammate. You, you all, you all never to badmouth them. You all, you know, when they strike out. So we've been trying to tell Luke, like, like you've strike, you've struck out, Luke. Do you want people to go, oh, you stink? I mean, no, you don't want anybody to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's not what Jesus would do to you. Be the encourager. So, so yeah, encourage. Hey, you got it next time, man. You got it next time. Hey, lift your head up. Lift your head up. You're, you're not that. You, you know. So, we're, but again, that is a distinctiveness. Mm. Like. We ought to be the best at that. And here's the thing. We know right. – I mean, like I know kids don't like know the psychology of it. But but I would I would hope – well, I don't want to hope. If, if teenagers and kids or even adolescents knew that professional ball players spent thousands of dollars on sports psychiatrists so that they might think positively mm. – mm. See, as believers, we already know that. Mm. We don't need some psychology to tell us that we ought to encourage one another. Mm. Because here's the thing. When you become a discouragement to someone, you're tearing them down to the degree that they actually might walk away from something. Yeah. But if you encourage them and you build them up, they actually might endure something. Mm. That's why the – you know, that's why the – the the author of Hebrews tells believers to encourage one another as they see the day approaching. Mm, mm. Anyways, I'm I'm obviously that's great. I had one final question. Yep. I'll throw it out here. Um, 
you tell me if you have anything else to add because it's kind of similar to what we've been talking about. But the question was, is there a strategy regarding using our daily time to best reflect Jesus being preeminent in the life of a believer? So any ideas on on uh, other strategies really in our our daily time that, that we might um, one might be able to add and work into? Yeah, I mean, I think if you could keep the question that I had, the, the question number nine in mm-hmm. mind, like, would you rather Jesus serve you or you serve Jesus? Okay. So you're, you, you really are just waking up and going, like, how can I serve you? It, it, especially if it's not – because here's what I, I, I believe. And again, I, th- this is more experientially, but I mean, having been around mature believers too, over time, when you when you have this practice in your life, mm-hmm. like, Jesus, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? Over time, it becomes innate. First of right. all, it becomes a practice. Right. And if you do that practice long enough, it becomes a habitual pattern in your life. And so now I don't even necessarily think about it other than I think about it. You know, <laughs> like I don't, I, because it's now innate within me. I'm thinking, all right. Yeah. It, it, you know, am I. Is this a is this a way I'm loving my wife? And the reason why I want to love my wife well is because I actually want to love Jesus well, and so it really is because. And, and there are times where I'm like, I miss, I missed that one. I missed that way, and I know why I missed it too. I missed it because I was selfish. Yeah, it it sounds like you're intentionally putting Jesus in the center. Yeah, every morning, right? Like, and the more you intentionally do that, yeah, the more it becomes innate. Which is why, so when when the Bible talks about this idea of maturing mm-hmm. uh, the process of sanctification you have to realize it like i like that's why i define discipleship as learning what it means to be human after the image and likeness of jesus so when you come to faith you come to faith as a child and that's why even the apostle paul is going to pick up these things in like first corinthians is that mean y'all need to stop sucking the bottle like y'all, y'all are still babies, and y'all been at this for a very long time. Yeah. Y'all need to start eating some steak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on now. Like so, but what he's getting at is that yes, when you come to Jesus, you come to uh, to him as a child, soft, uh, you know, gentle. Yes, I want you to, and but now you got to grow. Mm-hmm. And yes, it, there's going to be these intentional practices that you have to do mm-hmm. as you are learning. Yeah, but those practices over time become embedded into the natural life of a believer, mm. um, and so therefore, it's just who you. Again, it's just who you are. Who you are, yeah. You're growing into who you are. Amen. But it it takes some intentionality early on, Amen. and that's why I was counseling with people this past weekend, where you know they're wrestling, and I think it's healthy. Where Paul says, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, you, you know, even in a couple of other, you know, places like we, here's what Peter says uh, in that in that Second Peter uh, chapter one. So verse ten, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and salvation. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like, Mm. so, yeah, I mean, like these these are practices that over time become innate, Mm. you know, kind of within you. And and I'll I'll just end with this is because I don't I want people to know that I 
that it's not that I want you to question your salvation. I mean, again, I mean, this is where I think, you know, wrestle with it, you know, confirm. Mm -hmm. But you can know that you 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 are saved. That's why John, in 1 John chapter 5, he writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he wrote his entire epistle so that they might know. And, you know, and so, again, read First John of how you're going to know. Like, you can have confidence and assurance that you have saving faith. And that saving faith will always be tethered and anchored to Jesus. He's the center of it. Um, so, well, yeah, very, very, uh, yeah, very heavy uh, weekend. I think ultimately, um, you know, people came away, and it was just, it was just a good, uh, just, just sobering, as you said, use your word, yeah. sobering reminder. But know that as we build from this, I don't know if it will be as heavy hitting, but I'm telling you, it's going to be, I, I would say, biblically. Biblically deep, but but yet practically accessible. Yeah, for for your life as you as you build, um, yeah. you know, build out this this understanding of biblical endurance or yeah. the theology of endurance. Yeah, yeah and it, and it was sobering, but it was also like encouraging, right? So so some of our listeners might be thinking, man, it was just a, a great sermon. But I I think maybe maybe go back and listen and reflect on. Maybe you aren't, but may, how might others really be challenged by this? Who in your life might you be able to encourage to work out their faith, right? We have some, some mature believers that, that are um, fully assured in their faith, and they, it might not have hit them in the same way as it might have hit others. But yeah. we, have a, we have a broad congregation, and, um, and some, some are deep and mature, and some are shallow and, and new, and, um, and it's just – it's a good reminder to look around and think about how others might be experiencing it and help them on their way. Yeah, and I'll, I'll end with this one last word: is just because you struggle with a sin doesn't mean that you're not saved. Amen. And, I, and I had to tell that to a couple of people. That's you know, awesome, yeah. I, you know that. Yeah. Uh, yes, the fact that you you've recognized it and you want it, you want it to go yeah. away, or you want to overcome it. That's a really good indicator that you are of fertile soil, you know, but it, it really is. I mean, it's, it's a process and it's a painful process. And that's where I would say, don't give up. Yeah. You know, keep, keep at it. You know, and that's why you look at Proverbs 24, a righteous person falls seven times, but gets back up. Mm -hmm. So, so again, you might fall. Because uh, again, the Christian life is not about a mm. a perfect, or the Christian faith is not having is not about having a perfect life. Mm. It's about having a fertile heart. Yeah. So the fact that you are aware of your sin, that you do want to overcome your sin, that's a that's a again that's an indicator of good soil. And so let Jesus do that process. Now you might need to do some things. You might need to get an accountability partner. Yeah. Maybe you need to go to counseling yeah. so that you see why you're going back. To that sin over and over and over, so you might want to try to change, you know, some some practices to see if you can get a better, see if God can through some other practice get a better handle on that. Mm. But but just because you you struggle with a sin, yeah. and again, I'm I'm saying if you struggle with a sin, a, 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 an ongoing sin, yeah. and you're really trying to shake it, listen, the fact that you're aware of it and you're broken over it, listen, 
hey, yes, good fertile soil. Yeah. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And so uh, maybe a good example would, would be of the disciples came to Jesus and said, why, why can't we cast this demon out? And they're like, well, this one only, and Jesus like, this one can only be casted out through prayer and fasting. Yeah. So you had to get a little bit more intense yeah. to get rid of that. Yeah. So that sin that you might struggle, you know, that you might be struggling with, it might need a little bit more intensity mm. in your life. So that's what I'm saying. You might want to go you know, to someone, mm. uh, whether it's a counselor, accountability partner, something to to help so so you're intensifying the struggle you know to to overcome the struggle that's really good and yeah. a really helpful distinction. So yeah. Thanks for adding that. Yeah. Well, Northland family and friends, we are grateful for you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Extra Takes, episode 51. Hey, now. Yes. Yes. So, hey, if you have not left a review or if you have not uh, given us a five-star uh, rating, hey, that actually would help to continue to spread the word about Extra Takes. And so we love you. Grateful for you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.